What is going on, guys? Welcome back to Creeps in the Crypt. As always, I'm Eric, and I'm joined by... Christian. And Sam. I'm still dying. I, I hear it. I'm not dying anymore. I was dying on that last test, but, like, couldn't breathe. It was bad. Mm. I was aspirating. Yeah. You weren't aspirating. I was an ass of something. Y- yes. You were... <laughs> You were you were the ass of a joke or two. I was, but it's okay. <clears throat> it is okay because we're back. Two of the three of us are on the mend. Sam needs to drink some orange juice or something. I don't know. They better not fuck with me all this weekend. Mm. Just get really drunk where it doesn't matter. Oh, I'm absolutely drinking it away. Yeah, just drown it, drown it out. Yeah, just. If you dump enough bourbon on it, it can't survive in your body anymore. Rubbing alcohol heals outside boo-boos. Alcohol heals inside boo-boos. I don't know if that's how that works. It's Seems science. We it. have to trust the science. <laughs> I put rubbing alcohol on a boo-boo. Mm-hmm. Why it, dis- di- it disinfects it. Yeah. Vodka so you're dis- disinfecting your insides? Yeah, that, that was when I had COVID. Get rid that of was all of the thing. bad feelings. Well, I was They're like, infecting me. <laughs> when I had COVID if, a few years ago, I was like, I'm just going to pour booze on it and smoke I, cigarettes and <laughs> I think those make cigarettes. my body a toxic waste dump. <laughs> you did. And, and then it went away. And, and histamines. Yeah. Well, there's a lot of NyQuil involved. Yep. DayQuil and NyQuil. But guys, are you ready for part two of Carl Panzeram? I'm ready for the voice to come back. Uh. Macho Man Carl Panzram was a hit. Much to <laughs> Sam's chagrin. I, Sam, I hear Macho Man all the fucking time. So it's really. Yeah, but the Macho Man's not going anywhere. Nope. You're unhinged. It, uh, clearly. At least not for another two episodes. So, Sam, without further ado. That might actually be one of my favorite impressions that you do. I mean, thank, you, you told you. me today you only have a select few of impressions you can yeah, do. Yeah, it's a very small grab bag. And then I was like, what the fuck? I was like, you do, like, impressions of our cats. I just say what they're thinking with a silly voice. That's, that's all. Oh. Or what I think they're thinking. They're probably just, like, feed me. That's it. Yeah. But. Lucy's is just violent. Speaking of which, Lucy's, I just heard him. Lucy's crying. Um, I say I'm crying. Before we get into the episode, though, guys, make sure your auto downloads are turned on with Apple. Make sure you're downloading the episodes. Uh, leave us reviews. And Spotify has a really cool fe- new feature called Q&A, where it actually lets you say what you think of the episode. So if you like the episode and you listen to us on Spotify, go tell us what you think of the episode. If you think it sucked, we'll take get, your get, yeah, we'll take your feedback. And let us know. We may not change anything, but we'll at least take into account. Yeah, we'll... We'll uh, heat the house with the uh, the furnace with your... Hateful comments. Yeah, with your hateful comments. Um, Don't say that, because then some of our listeners will just come up with some hate-filled bullshit. I would. If somebody leave said... Leave us some good reviews, too. How about that? Yeah, you can't. You have to balance it out. You can't leave just one bad review. you got to leave, like... Yeah, Spotify will let one. you tell us what you think, so don't squander this opportunity, guys. Yeah. Appreciate it. Like we heard a few people say they didn't like the ads, but you know what? That's not something we can control, though, that, right? That's not something we can <clears throat> control at this point. 
because we're opt we we're doing well enough to where we opted into ads to make some money on this thing. So we love you guys, but we're working on some ways to get around ads. If an ad, I can get you know what I'll come up with a list of things that you could do while you're waiting. You could uh, have a uh, quick seance if you wanted to. Go pet your kitty. Uh, make Meditate. Yourself, make yourself a drink. Uh, carve symbols into candles if you felt like it. Go eat some or, cheese and crackers. I'm, I'm just I'm spitballing. We're, we're working on some some options um, that would give you ad free content and bonus episodes. So yeah, stay on the lookout for that. We gotta I just disassociate when an ad comes on. I'm just like, and my brain, uh, yeah. my brain shuts off for a minute and then it shuts back on. Uh, if I could figure out a way for us to do ad reads and, um, you know, I would do that, but I like the autoplay ads cause I don't have, it's less work we have to do, but yeah, without further ado, Sam, let's get into Carl Panzer in part two. <clears throat> so we left, <clears throat> so we left off last week when Carl was released from Leavenworth. Yep. So at this point he's. Been incarcerated most, most of, his, of his life. Yeah. He's 19 when he gets out of Leavenworth. Oh, God. He can't even drink. Yeah, he's... Well... Oh, that didn't stop no. him. He was drinking since he was eight. So, he's been to two reform schools. He was a boxcar kid. He enlisted in the military. And he did... He did two stints in prison, Right. Or did he just call one of the reform schools? Well, the reform school is basically a prison for children. Okay, so he did. I don't know, like actual prison. I think he was too young to actually go to actual prison. So maybe it was just like the reform schools. Okay, so one stint in prison. See. Carl's life up until this point has quite literally paved the way for what's to come. Yeah, remember, he was also sexually violated by hobos. Yeah. So that that's definitely going to play out in this episode. Any hope that was left of him becoming a mature, productive adult citizen was destroyed at Leavenworth. It wasn't the hobo rape gang gang rape. That wasn't the one that no, broke that him. was that was just like the icing on the, the uh-huh. Carl Panzeram cake. Dude, yeah, that sounds awful. He even admitted that any of this hope was destroyed at Leavenworth. The years and years of torture, abuse, heavy drinking had taken their toll on Carl. Over the next few years, Carl drifted through Kansas, Texas, the Southwest, and into California. Which I feel like any time any serial killer goes to California, shit just gets wild. Well, California was a much different fucking place back then. Well, yeah, but I just feel like at any point, any serial killer that makes it to California... Or, like, operates within California, like, from California, they're on a different level. Yeah, I mean, in the context of, like, the serial killers in the 70s and 60s, 70s, and 80s and shit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. But I think, um, I, I would say this is more of a, he's just raising hell across the country. Well, Yeah. He's kind of like the Israel Keys before he was for Israel Keys. Uh, no, nah, he's way cooler than Israel Keys. Well, I'm just saying, like, it, like I'm as just, cool as a serial killer could be, but like, I'm just he's saying, still like, a piece of shit. With the randomness, with the all over the place, there's no real like 
Well, the the goal is to kill. Does he not get the sticker, the grape job? I would say he's he's just a force of nature at this point. Which is horrific. So, Carl gets arrested in California several times, and all while using the name Jeff Baldwin. Which I think we mentioned that the last time. You're going to see episode. a few different like aliases right. pop um, up. But Jeff Baldwin was his first one, right? One That's of them. the one. My I mean, name is Jeff. <laughs> my name is Jeff. <clears throat> so Carl, a.k.a. Jeff, was arrested for vagrancy, burglary, arson, and robbery, which I don't really know the difference between robbery and burglary. Does that just mean someone's home? I think it's the amount of money. Burglary too. is when you like break into somebody's house and robbery steal their break- shit. Where you, Robbery is where you just fucking rob them on the street. Oh, I thought it was like a difference in money. That's larceny. Yeah. Oh, thank you. Sorry. I thought, because like you can burglarize a home and you can also rob a home. I think the difference between burglary and robbery is someone being home, right? Yeah. Okay, that's what I thought. I mean, that's my <laughs> understanding. I may have learned a thing or two from law classes. I don't know. Pre-law. <laughs> Not actually. I drank away any memory I had, really, of criminal justice, so... Well, I did not. He escaped from two jails in this time period. One in Rusk, Texas, and the other in the Dales? Yeah. Dolly's? Maybe. Dolly. Dolly! We're gonna <laughs> what are you, Pitbull now? <laughs> Thank you for getting that. Yes. <laughs> anyway. Eric's they're not amused by <laughs> Anyway. Any excuse for a Pitbull reference? I mean, he escaped from several jails, honestly. Well, yes. These we'll are get the there. two notable ones. Right. Though. He escaped a chain gang sentence, which I had to look that up because I didn't know what that was. It was. It's a group of inmates who are chained together and ordered to do manual labor as a form of punishment. It's like when you see the guys on the side of the road. Yeah, they're all chained. Yeah, they're yeah. all chained together. And That's a chain game. You have a game. cop with a shotgun, like going to try to <laughs> do something funky. So he escaped the chain gang sentence in Rusk, Texas. He traveled down to Cuidad Juarez, Mexico. I think I said that right. I think I'm proud. Pat on the back for me. No. Snaps for Sam. In the winter of 1910. To try and enlist in the Federales, which is like the Mexican police. Yeah. Yeah. He, yeah, he tried to like be a cop. Much like he tried to be a preacher. <laughs> and, which is and an army and a, and a soldier. He's trying. He's trying. The world just keeps kicking him he, down. Well, he's like the guy that's like, I'm finally going to go straight. Yeah. I'm going to go legit. I bet you, was he talking about the cream rising to the top? (laughs) Yeah, I'm going to try to go legit. He then took a train to Del Rio, Texas, and got off in a tiny little town about 50 to 100 miles east of El Paso. He would later claim that he abducted, assaulted, and strangled a man about a mile from town and stole $35 from him. Which is equal to about over $500 in today's money. Wow. Fuck inflation. <clears throat> That's all I'm saying. 
I mean, I would think of all the kitties I could have. That's what I was but thinking. for $500, you could have like one. Nah. They could share. They share. Yeah, but you got to get them all fixed and shit. Eh. That's reckless. At Bob Barker fixing. would be very upset. At home fixing. We're going to start doing that. No, we're not. <laughs> oh, my God. What the fuck is wrong with you? She took a nap, and now she's reckless as shit. <laughs> all right, Randy Savage. Okay. <laughs> I burned down... Old barns, sheds, fences, snow sheds, or anything I could. When I couldn't burn anything else, I would set fire to the grass on the prairies or woods or anything and everything. So whenever Carl would break into homes, the first thing he would look for were guns. He said, quote, I would spend all my spare change on bullets. I would take pot shots at farmers' houses, at the windows. If I saw cows or horses in the field, I would cut loose at them. He rode... <clears throat> yeah, he would just, like, shoot from the fucking train cars at, like, farmhouses and shit. That's and who, horrible. And who knows if he killed anybody during that. They'd probably blame it on, like, the train. They're like, oh, damn, somebody wouldn't put a penny on the tracks. And it ricocheted. There wasn't a... Was it a train crash? Jesus. No, you never heard that before? You put a penny on a train track, it turns it flat. I thought it, like... The penny's already flat. No, like, super flat. Like, you guys have never heard that before? You ever seen one? Oh, I'm sorry. I mean, I've heard of that, but I don't think it ricochets out from underneath the... Well, I was trying to come up with an alibi I thought it would, like, derail the fucking train or some shit. No, it just flattens it. Okay. What? I was going with like it like ricocheting and then hitting Cletus in the neck, like from the side and just Not like him Cletus. Ble- him bleeding out. Cletus no and his wife Mary. I couldn't think of another name. I love how her. she's like put an entire scenario into this. Mildred. Mildred and his daughter Ethel, is like, you Oh mean my Ethel? god, my dude is dead. Ethel. Yep. Okay on Ethel. Yep. And then all the cows moan and moo. You, you, moo in, in <laughs> solidarity. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not even going to touch that. I didn't know cows could moan. And this is why. <laughs> nope, leaving that one alone. <laughs> Eric. Sometimes it's about the jokes you don't make. That's how you make sour milk from the moans, the moo cow moans. The f- You're on some shit tonight, I dude. Don't know. No more naps for you before recording. <laughs> Well, then you guys get one or the other. You're either going to get unhinged or sleepy. Which one do you want? First off, you are always unhinged. Even when I'm sleepy? It's just a different kind of unhinged. No, that's true. It's, I'm like an onion. I'm, there's layers. i got to peel them back slowly. Not how, like a cake. How do I put some of the layers back on? You, you can't. Once they're peeled back, it's just they're off. Okay. Well, anyway. <laughs> now I'm going to play the scenario out in my head. Okay, you do that. I will while I'm listening. Because I can multitask. He rode trains up to Washington, Idaho, Oregon, and Utah, leaving a path of destruction in his wake. He was methodical and relentless. 
He kept police hot on his trail, but a step behind him nonetheless. He rarely passed up an opportunity to add to his growing list of sexual assault victims. Whenever I met one that wasn't too rusty looking, I would make him raise his hands and drop his pants. I wasn't very particular either. I rode them old and young, tall and short, white and black. It made no difference to me, all except that they were human beings. Well, it's nice to know that he has a line, at least. Yeah. Bestiality, he won't cross that Not line. Not women. I was thinking animals, but that works, too. What's the difference? He said they were human beings. Are you saying women aren't human? No. No, we're demon spirits. Sam. That's fair. From the Shadow Realm. I was insinuating he was attracted to men. Well, I know that. He was just not, you know, he didn't want anybody to know that, though. I don't even think he could wrestle with that. Carl himself admitted that one of the few times he did not engage in criminal activities was when he was employed as a strike breaker against union employees. Basically, he was like a fucking Pinkerton. Um, like one of the guys that companies employ to like go and bust up unions and, or if they go on strike, he'll just go f- intimidate people and fuck people up that are striking. Love that. At least he found and an he was outlet. He good at it. Yeah. He found he an was... outlet. Well, he's a big old brute. Yeah. He'd just intimidate the shit out of people. Mm. On one occasion, he tried to sign aboard as a ship's steward on an army transport vessel but was discharged when he reported to work intoxicated. Oh, what the hell, man? It was a shock. During the summer of 1911, he was using the alias Jefferson Davis. He really likes Jeff. He, he really does. wishes that his name was Jeff. The name of Jeff. Carl drifted oh, from... Oh, you know that was a president's name, right? Or the... Um... Jeff- oh, Jefferson Davis? Did the Confederate presidents? I think it was Jefferson Davis. That's hilarious. That's what it is. Interesting. I need to know. Carry on, Sam, and I'll tell you. Carl drifted from town to town, robbing people and escaping by the rails whenever he could. In Fresno, California, he was arrested for stealing a bicycle. He was sent to the county jail for six months, but escaped after only 30 days. He jumped a freight train heading northwest and brought along some stolen guns that he had buried outside town before he got arrested. This shit's fucked up. Yeah. While he was in a boxcar with two other bums, he saw another opportunity to add to his list of sexual assault victims. Yeah, I was sitting up the youngest and the best looking of the two and figuring when I would pull out my hog leg and heist him up. When he says hog leg. Oh, he's talking about his okay. dick. That... He's talking about his cock, Sam. Thank you. But a railroad cop found his way into the boxcar and tried to extort money from the men or he would throw them off the train. But Carl had other ideas. Yeah, I pulled out my cannon, and I told him I was the fellow who went around the world doing people good. I think mm. he means that literally. Mm-hmm. He he was the, the great equalizer. 
Carl turned the tables and robbed the cop of his watch and whatever money he had on him. Then, while the other two men watched, he sexually assaulted the officer at gunpoint. He then forced the other two men to do the same by, quote, using a little moral persuasion and much waving around my of my pistol. They also rode Mr. Brakeman around. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Is he talking about the railroad cop, Mr. Brakeman? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. He no longer has brakes. So yeah, he pounded the they brakes beat right the, off. Yeah, you you literally took took the words <laughs> out of my mouth. Got to be quicker than that. Yeah, dude. Um, the fact that he like <coughs> held up the other two hobos to to rape the the cop is insane. But it mirrors him being gang raped by the hobos. Yeah. So he's it's like him taking the power back. Yeah, it's like full circle. Yeah. Like I said, he's literally the embodiment of the t- song Prison Sex by Tool. Carl threw all of the men off of the train and continued his trip up to Oregon, where he became one of the many seasonal loggers who roamed the countryside looking for work. And when work couldn't be found, they survived by any means possible. By the year 1913, tempered by years of drinking, beatings, imprisonment, and living on the road like an animal, Carl evolved into a hardened criminal, as if he already wasn't. Well, at this point, he you know he had worked worked the kinks out. His give a damn was busted, and probably found some new kinks along the way. Mm. He was also physically big. He was square-shouldered and muscular. His dark hair and good looks attracted women, but Carl never displayed any interest in the opposite sex. His eyes had a strange, sullen appearance that unnerved people, made them wonder what was behind the cold, barren stare. As he continued his journey throughout the Northeast, he was arrested in several states under the name Jack Allen. Oh, he's changing it up. Yeah, he went through a few. Dude, um, one of the f- interesting things is he was like hiding out in a bordello and uh, he contracted gonorrhea along the way. Oh my God. Man. So somehow he got gonorrhea uh, at a brothel, so he says. Mm. I don't know, but that's like one of his excuses on why he was, he's like, I, I don't mess with women. <laughs> Yeah, okay. Mm. He says, quote, Under that name, I was pinched for highway robbery, assault, and sodomy at the Dales, Oregon. I was there for about two or three months and then broke jail, he said later. The Dales was a tough river port on the Columbia River where pirates, gamblers, loggers, and outlaws frequently gathered. After he broke out of jail with a posse of furious deputies after him, Carl fled Oregon and crossed the eastern state line into Idaho. Within the week, he was arrested again for stealing, and he was thrown into the county jail in Harrison, Idaho. This time, he used the alias Jeff Davis. The jail was poorly run and consisted of just cells and a wall. 
During his first night in custody, he set a massive fire to one of the buildings and several of the inmates escaped, including Carl. He quickly fled north through the Grove Ancient Cedars, across the Bitterroot Mountains, and into western Montana. In the small town of Chinook, Montana. I think I said that right. Chinook. Sounds right. I don't know. I'm not going to argue it. Carl got locked up as Jefferson Davis for burglary and received one a one-year sentence at the Montana State Prison at Deer Lodge. By the way, I did look it up. Jefferson Davis was the first and only Confederate president. Interesting. I don't ever remember hearing anything about it. I had to Google it. I use a Google machine. It said so. I like American history. I do too. Look at you. You get a gold star. So the Montana State Prison is located 30 miles north of Butte in the midst of the Rockies. The prison resembled a medieval castle. It was built in 1895 back when American prison construction was modeled after European castles. Four pointed steeples rose majestically over a dark and forbidding complex that was surrounded by thick stone block walls. There were turrets spaced periodically on all four walls and corners. Inside the towers, rifle-toting guards kept a watchful eye over the vast courtyard, ready to shoot any inmate who dared attempt an escape. But that's not going to hold Carl down. Never. According to the prison admissions log, Carl was taken in at Deer Lodge on April 27, 1913. He listed his occupation as, quote, waiter and teamster. But there was little for convicts to do at the prison except kill time. While he was at Deer Lodge, he ran into none other than Jimmy Benson, his old cellmate from Montana State Reform School. He was doing a 10-year stretch for robbery. Together, they planned an escape. But at the last minute, Jimmy was transferred and couldn't participate. On November 13, 1913, Carl escaped from Deer Lodge and fled toward Butte. Barely a week later, in a town called Three Forks, he was arrested for burglary under the name Jeff Rhodes. He was given another year for the escape and returned to the state prison. Life at Deer Lodge was slow and monotonous. It was understaffed and mismanaged. There was very little assigned labor for the inmates who spent most of their day in their cells, lying in their bunks or wandering around outside in the prison yard. He said, quote, at that place, I was I got to be an experienced wolf. I would start the morning with sodomy, work as hard at it as I could all day and sometimes half the night. Because of his size and reputation, he was able to intimidate the other inmates into submission. He well, they said, were scared to shit of him. He's huge. I mean, he's jacked. But... He also did it to intimidate the guards, too. Mm. Did he sodomize them, too? Not the guards, but yeah, he would just go around taking taking butts. And no mercy. Don't drop the soap around Carl. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> he said, I was so busy committing sodomy that I didn't have time left to serve Jesus as I had been taught to do in those reform schools, he later wrote. 
Carl actually served out his full sentence this time at Deer Lodge. And on March 30th, 1915, he was released. I mean, why would he leave? He's got all the butt sex that he could ever want. Yeah, Yeah, but it's like... Sounds like a great plan for Carl. Yeah... (laughs) I feel like it's more about, you know, the the whole package. It's not just about the the sodomy, it's about the burning shit down and and then the killing sodomy. people and <laughs> stealing stuff. It's it's a the ultimate thrill. He's the ultimate thrill seeker. Mm. He said, "When I left there, the warden told me that I was pure as lily and free from all sin." He gave me $5, a suit of clothes, and a ticket to the t- next town 6 miles away. Wherever he went, Carl stole food, clothes, money, and guns. For months during the year 1915, he traveled up and down the Columbia River in the Pacific Northwest through Washington, Idaho, Nebraska, and South Dakota. You could say that Carl was a veteran of the rails by this point. On the night of June 1st, 1915, he broke into a house in the town of Astoria, Oregon. He stole a suit of clothes and other articles that weren't worth more than $20. He was later arrested when he tried to sell a stolen watch. He was indicted for larceny in a dwelling dwelling later on. After a promise by the local DA to go easy on him, he pleaded guilty. He was sentenced as Jefferson Baldwin, again, to seven years at the Oregon State Penitentiary in Salem. Which is, like, one of the worst prisons at the time. Like, the tortures that this place came up with. I can only imagine. On June 24th, 1915, he arrived at the prison and became inmate number 7390. In the admission record, he listed his place of birth as Alabama and his occupation as thief. Which cracked me up a little bit. On the same page, it was noted that he used two other names, Jefferson Davis and Jeff Rhodes. Guards immediately took notice of Carl's surly, uncooperative attitude, but they weren't concerned with uncooperative inmates. Salem Prison was notorious in the Northwest for punishing its prisoners by abuse and torture. The warden during this time was a tough, crude former sheriff named Harry Minto who believed wholeheartedly in keeping the inmates in line by force. I don't know what the fuck that was. What the fuck was that? I don't know. I just opened up an internet explorer to look up something. I'll edit it out. It's fine. Whipping, hosing, beatings, starvation, and isolation were part of the life at Salem. Warden Harry Minto endorsed the Auburn system by which inmates would be punished even if they uttered one word out of line. They were frequently shackled to walls and hung from rafters for hours, sometimes days at a time. Inmates were whipped with the terrible cat of nine tails, which is a device that had nine cords tied in a series of knots that caused horrible injuries to a man's back. He's quote, he said, quote, I swore I would never do that seven years, and I defied the warden and all his officers to make me. So one of the tortures that they would make them do was this thing called the hummingbird. 
So it was an electric instrument of torture operated after the uh, the following manner, having been stripped down, uh, fastened on their back in a shallow metal tank filled with water. So there's not a lot of water in there, but there's some. And then they would connect a electrode from a dynamo, the other electrode to a wet sponge. And then uh, gloved in rubber, the operator would take the wet sponge and pass it slowly up and down the prisoner's bare limbs. And as it went, his muscles contorted into knots and he'd shriek aloud and until he fainted. So you would they would just do this for hours. Basically, the reason you use a sponge is because you can target the electricity. That's why they use a sponge in the electric chair. So it doesn't cook the the person being executed. Mm-hmm. It's focusing all the electricity into the brain. So they were using the same logic. They would just take a wand, basically, with a sponge with uh, yeah. electrodes in it and just touch it. And it felt like a thousand nails being driven into you at once. Ooh, that sounds like so much fun. It'd make a man go mad. I can only imagine. He also said the warden swore I would do every damned day or he would kill me. Sounds like he tried. He got into trouble almost immediately for rule violations and punishment became routine. Carl's record of discipline shows that on January 1st, 1916, he was hung, quote, 10 hours a day for two days for hammering, rising a disturbance in cell, and cursing an officer. A month later, on February 27th, he was hoisted up for, quote, 12 hours at door for going on another tier from where he sells and having a dangerous weapon, a billy or sap. He was later found to be in possession of a blackjack and thrown into the dungeons for three weeks with only bread and water. He said, quote, they stripped us naked and chained us up to a door and then turned on the fire hose, turned the fire hose on us until we were black and blue and half blind. Yeah, I mean, they're not far away with the fire hose. So they're just getting sprayed with a fucking fire hose, which I don't know if you've ever seen videos of people getting sprayed with a fire hose. Uh-uh. It well, blows you back. Yeah, because it's like high pressured, right? Yeah. So I mean, it's enough <clears throat> to actually like bruise the skin. Yeah, really fuck you up. Yikes! But the reason that uh, the warden hated Carl Panzerim was because he would just scream in his cell at all hours of the night to like. <laughs> so he would he would wait till everybody goes to bed. And he just starts fucking screaming in the cell. You know what? I'd probably scream too. But what would happen is all the other inmates would fucking start screaming too. And then the warden would actually hear it throughout because the whole jail is just fucking chaos. Right. And it was all to like break the guards and shit. Well, it's pretty wild. But still, Carl continued his combative behavior. He started several fires and burned down three buildings all at like separate times. He spent 61 days in solitary where he groped around in the dark and ate cockroaches for food. Yeah, he just ate roaches and masturbated the entire time. <laughs> Gross. There wasn't, there wasn't a spot in that jail cell that wouldn't have lit up under a black light. Ew. I wouldn't want to see any jail cell under a black light. Just there's Ew. stalactites forming from the... 
The ceiling. Ew. Gross. In early 1917, Carl helped another inmate named Otto Hooker escape from the prison. Otto later shot and killed Warden Minto when he accidentally ran into the warden in a nearby town. The killing sparked a public outcry and conditions at the Oregon State Penitentiary became even worse. Yeah, because the uh, warden's brother took over the, the role. Oh, so he's got a revenge plot yeah, now. Yeah, it's like... It just ramped shit up. It's his villain story. Mm. By September 1917, Carl's reputation was well known both inside and outside of the penitentiary. He had made several escape attempts by cutting through the bars in his cell. On September 18, 1917, he finally succeeded and escaped from the prison. He broke into a house in the town of Tangent, stealing clothes, food, money, and a loaded 38 caliber handgun. Sounds like he re- really went on a tangent. Mm. Hilarious. Thank you. I'll be here all night. A few days later, a local cop recognized Carl from a wanted poster and tried to arrest him. He pulled out his gun and opened fire on the sheriff's deputy. I fired, he said, I fired and fought until my gun was empty of bullets and I was empty of courage. But he ran out of an ammunition and was ultimately captured. On the way to the jail, Carl tried to grab the cop's gun and a, in a fierce struggle took place inside the car. The rear windows were kicked out and several shots were fired through the roof as the men battled for the officer's handgun. Carl was beaten, bloody, and unconscious. He was brought back to Salem and dumped into solitary. But not for long. Incredibly, on May 12, 1918, Carl escaped from Oregon prison again. He sawed through the window bars using a hacksaw blade and jumped down off the prison walls. As frantic guards fired hundreds of rounds at the fleeing convict, Carl made it into the woods and disappeared from sight. He later hopped a freight train heading east and left the Pacific Northwest forever. He changed his name to John O'Leary and shaved his mustache. Slowly, methodically, still burglarizing and burning churches along the way, Carl headed for... The dude is a master escape artist. Yeah. It's a wonder they didn't just, like, put him in solitary forever. I mean, he's, he's... A terrible criminal because he gets caught way too much. But damn, he knows how to escape. Mm Mm-hmm. During the summer of 1920, Carl spent a great deal of time in the city of New Haven, Connecticut. He preferred places that had lots of activity and lots of people. More people means more targets, more money, and more victims. It also meant the cops were busy, maybe too busy to bother with the likes of him. He went out at night, cruising the city streets, looking for an easy mark. If he didn't mug an unsuspecting drunk or sexually assault a young boy, he would look for a house to rob. In August, he found a house located at 113 Whitney Avenue that looked, quote, fat, and ready for the taking. Remember how we <clears throat> talked about uh, Taft mm-hmm. in the first episode? 
This is where it becomes relevant again. He broke into the home. Hope it was a three-story colonial. He hoped that it was the home of an aristocrat. I almost said aristocrat. <laughs> aristocrat. He broke in through a window and began to ransack the bedrooms. Inside a spacious den, Carl found a large amount of jewelry, bonds, and a forty-five caliber automatic handgun. The name on the bonds was William H. Taft, the same man who he thought sentenced him to three years at Leavenworth in 1907. At that time, William had been the Secretary of War. In 1920, he was the former President of the United States and current Professor of Law at Yale University. After stealing everything he could carry, Carl escaped through the same window and hit the streets carrying a large bag of loot. He made his way to the Lower East Side of Manhattan, where he sold most of the jewelry and stolen bonds. He later wrote that, quote, Out of this robbery, I got about 3000 in cash, kept some of the stuff, including the 45 Colt Automatic. With that money, I bought a yacht and the Akista. Akista, yeah. A- Akista? I think so. I think that's how that's pronounced. Anyway, he registered the boat under the name John O'Leary, the alias he used while he was living in the New York area. He sailed the boat up the East River, eastward, through the Long Island Sound, past the south shore of the Bronx, the city of New Rochelle, Rye, and onto the rocky coast of Connecticut. Along the way, he broke into dozens of boats on their moorings, stealing booze, guns, supplies, really anything he could just get his hands on. He was like a pirate. He literally is a pirate. He's yeah. on a boat. One of the boats was the Barbara II, a 50-footer owned by the Marsiliet family from Norfolk, Virginia. He eventually moored the Akista at the New Haven Yacht Club, where he settled in for a time, enjoying the hot weather, drinking Prohibition booze, and thinking about his next victims. When he visited Manhattan's Lower East Side, Carl noticed hordes of visiting sailors on shore leave from their ships docked along the East River. He realized many of them were looking for work out on outgoing freighters or local boats. This was an era of enormous shipping activity, the age of the ocean liner when international travel was mostly accomplished by sea. As he drifted through the narrow streets of the East Village, he devised a scheme of robbery and murder. He said, quote, Then I figured it would be a good plan to hire a few sailors to work for me. I get them out to my yacht get them drunk, commit sodomy on them, rob them, and then kill them. This he I He really had them fucking... It was, a, it was like a mousetrap, dude. Like, he baited him with a job. He, he basically just had them coming to him to get murdered. Literally John Wayne Gacy. Mm. Yeah. For several weeks, he went down to the South Street neighborhood and picked out one or two victims. Carl told them that he had work on board his yacht and needed some deckhands. He promised them anything just to get them on board the Akista, which he anchored off of City Island at the foot of Carroll Street. 
He remained there for the entire summer of 1920. <coughs> City Island is a small landmass of about two square miles off the Bronx. In 1920, City Island was a secluded maritime community of fishing boats, sail manufacturers, and residents who tended to their own business. At first, most people paid little attention to Captain John O'Leary, the brooding stranger who came on shore only to buy supplies and always seemed to have a new crew each week. Every day or two, oh, this is a quote. Every day or two, I would go to New York and hang around 25 South Street and size up the sailors, Carl said. When he convinced them to come on board his yacht, they would work for maybe a single day. He said, quote, we would wine and dine, and when they were drunk enough, they would go to bed. When they were asleep, I would get my Colt 40, Colt 45. <laughs> and two zigzags. <laughs> Maybe that's all we need. <laughs> this I stole from Mr. Taft's home and blow their brains out. That must be a very stinky ship. I mean, he was definitely dumping the bodies. He wasn't just keeping the, the bodies. Well, yeah, but like, he's got to clean the blood up off the beds. Like, he can't just buy new mattresses and sheets and stuff every time. If there were even mattresses on the fucking boat. Well, they gotta sleep somewhere. Anyway, he then tied a rock to each body and carried them into his skiff. He rode east into Long Island Sound near Execution Lighthouse, so named because during the Revolutionary War, British troops chained rebel colonists to the rocks there and waited for the rising tide to drown the prisoners. It's metal as fuck. Yeah. There, not a hundred yards from the lighthouse, Carl dumped his victims into the sea. There they are yet, ten of them. I worked that racket about three weeks. My boat was full of stolen stuff, he later wrote. But city islanders soon grew suspicious of the Akista and its skipper. Carl realized that he had to change venue. He sailed down the coast of New Jersey with his last two passengers until they reached Long Island, Long Beach Island, where he intended to kill them both. In late August 1920, a huge gale hit the Yaquista and smashed it to pieces against the rocks. Carl swam to shore and barely escaped with his life. If there's anything I know at this point is Carl is an escape artist. Oh, yeah. Like, he, that is an art. The two sailors made it to the beaches of the Brigantine Inlet, just north of Atlantic City. Carl said, quote, where they went, I don't know or care. They quickly disappeared into the Jersey farmlands, never realizing how lucky they had been to escape certain death by the bullet of a president's gun. In 1921, Carl served six months in jail in Bridgeport, Connecticut for burglary and possession of a loaded handgun. When released, he joined a maritime union that was involved in a labor strike. Hardliners in the union got into a brawl with strike breakers, and Carl was quickly rearrested for being involved in a running gun battle with police. He jumped bail and fled the state of Connecticut. 
a few days later, he stowed away on a ship and landed in Angola, which is a Portuguese colony on the west coast of Africa. And that is where we pick up next episode for the conclusion of our series on Carl Panzeram. A.K.A. Macho Man. He's going on a world <laughs> fucking tour. He's going to do a lot of killing over in Africa. Mm. And sodomy. A lot of that, too. And drinking. And then he's going to come back to the United States. Love that. Mm. He's going on like a murder vacation. He's it's a great. butt pirate. Well, it's a killer time. He was when he had the Akista. Mm. Literally. But a keister, I get it. Oh, god damn it! <laughs> oh my god, a keister. <laughs> he literally named his boat Butt. I, I, I don't quite know what to say. <laughs> Sometimes I come in there with those. That's good oh, stuff. Oh my gosh, that is, I didn't even think about that. Neither did I. A keister. A key step. I read it like in my mind, like how he would say I, it. I really hope that's the fucking case. I hope so. I'm going to say it is. I'm going to go with that. In my head canon, it's def- that's definitely it. <laughs> Good work. We solved where he got the name from. Because I was sitting here like, such a weird name. And then I like read it in my mind. I was like, a key step. Oh, a butt. He likes butts. And he cannot lie. Nope. All right. Well, Christian, do us the honors on that note of dropping the socials. We appreciate you guys so much. And if you would like to reciprocate that kind of love that we have for you, make sure you guys are sharing, downloading, doing all the things. We appreciate that. Leaving us reviews. Please leave us a review. We like to hear what you guys have to say. Yeah, we'll read it on the show. All joking, kidding aside, it does make us better. We have taken in negative and positive feedback, and it makes us better. Um, you guys can follow us on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok. Um, is there anything else? I think that's it. And we'll see you in part three. Yep. Stay spooky. Stay creepy. Stay safe. <laughs>